Welcome to Literary Quest, a podcast hosted by us, Vicki and Marissa, where we discuss our favorite and fantasy fiction and hopefully can direct you in your quest to find your next great read. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of Literary Quest. We are discussing Crown of Midnight by Sarah J. Mass. It is the second book in the Throne of Glass series that we are covering this summer. So I'll give a brief recap of some of the main characters that we've we've met so far and then uh, introduce the new characters in our location and then Vicki will pick up with our plots. So characters we've met. We have Selena Sardothian. She is our main female lead in the series. She's originally from Terrison but was orphaned when the King of Adderland attacked and destroyed her country. In this book, she serves as the king's champion, and so she's responsible for assassinating anyone the king may deem a traitor or a threat to him. We have Kale Westfall, who is the captain of the royal guard and Selena's friend, although in this book, he's feeling a little bit more than friendship for her. We have Dorian Havilyard, who is the prince of Adderland. In the last book, he and Selena were slightly romantically involved, but at the end of the book, she called it off. In this book, he is trying to get past that, and he continues to struggle with the confines of his role as prince. And we have Nehemia Yitger, who is the princess of Ilway, who uh, has always been seen as the princess of the people and advocates for their freedom, especially slaves, as they are being oppressed and killed by the king of Adderland. New characters in this book, we have Lord Roland Havilyard as Mia. He is Dorian's cousin. He's blonde, has a jovial face, and is a schemer. And he's looking to grow his power and domain in Mia. We have Archer Finn, who is Rifthold's most sought-after male courtesan. He is gorgeous, mid-ish 20s. And he trained at the Assassin's Keep with Selena when she was around 13. So he has a long history past with her. And we have Baba Yellowlegs, who is an Iron Teeth Witch and matron of the Yellowlegs clan. She's over 500 years old, has frightening sharp iron teeth, which is um, the calling card for Iron Teeth Witches and also iron tipped fingernails that are like claws. She has powerful magic and is kind of a seer as well. This book is set in Rifthold, which is the capital city of Adderland. Vicki, do you want to pick up with our plot? Yes. So Crown of Midnight picks up several months after the events of Throne of Glass. Selena Sardothian, Adderland's best assassin, is now the king's champion. He has been using her to assassinate any dissenters. Selena, however, knows that the men and women she has been sent to kill are not her enemy. So instead of killing them, she is faking their deaths and helping them escape. The bodies and body parts that she presents to the king are actually the bodies from Sickhausen's. No one is aware that she is doing this. She is keeping Kale, Dorian, and Nehemia in the dark as the secret may cost them their lives. Dorian, the crown prince of Adderlin, is not sure what to make of this version of Selena. He begins to doubt that she ever had any true feelings for him. Meanwhile, Kale, captain of the guard, is growing closer to her. Unfortunately, there is also a rift growing between Nehemia and Selena. 
Nehemia, the Princess of Elway, believes that Selena should be using her new position in order to attempt to make changes, but Selena just wants to get through the next few years so she can live her life, which means she must continue finding ways to get around the king's orders. The king gives her a new target, Archer Finn, a courtesan that Selena already knows. He tells her that Archer is involved in a rebel movement and is working with Aelin Galathinius, the heir of Terrison. Selena is surprised by this news as she does not believe that Archer would be part of a rebel movement. This is also the first time the king has, ass has assigned her to kill anyone in Rifthold, but she is determined to fake Archer's death. She stalks him, finds him, and tells him that the king wants him dead. Archer is distraught and tells Selena that he does know of the rebel movement because of his clients. He offers to take her to a party to help her break into one of his clients' offices to look for clues. Selena agrees. However, the scheme does not go as planned. She finds herself being injured and poisoned. She is able to make it back to Kale before the effects of the poison completely take over, and he is able to find her a healer. They continue to grow closer. Meanwhile, Dorian is struggling to come to terms with his conflicting emotions over Selena and Kale. They are not, this is not made any better by Selena's treatment of him, which is cold and distant. She is clearly trying to push him away. Additionally, his brother Holland and cousin Roland are in town. He finds out that Roland is there to become a member of the council, which is shocking and worrisome due to Roland's past behavior. However, Roland does end up becoming an ally for Dorian during some of the council meetings. His younger brother, however, is a bit of a nightmare. He throws tantrums and is very high maintenance. Holland's birthday is coming up and the queen hires an entire carnival to come and entertain him. While Kale, Selena, and Dorian are examining the carnival, they come across Baba Yellowlegs, who claims to be a witch from the Iron Teeth clan. While Kale and Dorian are skeptical, Selena is bothered by Yellowlegs and believes that she is a true witch. Speaking of birthdays, Kale's birthday is coming up and Selena has a surprise for him. She arranges a beautiful and romantic dinner for him and they finally give in to the chemistry between them. While they agree to keep it from Dorian, Selena tells Mahemia. During their conversation, Selena reveals that she is not actually killing the targets that the king gives her. Nehemia is thrilled to hear this and again asks Selena to become more active in trying to influence the king and the court. When Selena declines again, they fight and Nehemia calls her a coward. Even though Selena explains one reason she doesn't want to step too far out of line is because the king threatened Gale and Nehemia. They part ways on bad terms. Selena realizes she has not seen Kale in a while and she goes to his room. There she finds a note saying that he has been kidnapped and to come to the location alone. In a fury, she meets the kidnappers and just destroys them. She is killing and maiming until finally Archer stops her. It turns out that this is part of the rebel group and it is revealed that Nehemia has been working with them. They also reveal that there has been a threat against Nehemia's life and that Kale has kept that information from her. Selena, in a panic, runs back to the castle and to Nehemia's room, only to find her and her guards dead and dismembered. In a rage, she attacks Kale and almost kills him until Dorian is able to stop her by using magic. Selena is taken to the dungeon, but soon Kale brings her back to her room. She refuses to get out of bed and to talk to people, Kale is unsure how to handle the situation because now she does not trust him and their relationship is ruined. When she finally does get out of bed, she ends up talking with Dorian and, and growing closer to him again. 
not in a romantic way, but they tentatively become friends again. Yellow Legs is visited on separate occasions by Dorian and Selena. She confirms to Dorian that he does indeed have magic. When Selena speaks with Yellow Legs, she is given information about a riddle that she found in Elena's tomb, which she has been visiting periodically. Yellow Legs tells her that the riddle speaks of three word keys. These keys give the wielder an immense amount of power, and if the user has all three keys, they can open a word gate to another dimension, and they will have the power to control worlds. Selena realizes that the king must have at least one key, as it explains why he was able to destroy and conquer so many countries so quickly. Selena ends up killing Yellow Legs. Selena also figures out that this is something Nehemia knew about and makes a rather poor decision. She opens a portal to another realm using word marks, which carry magic of their own. This ends up going south pretty quickly. Dorian is woken up after a strange dream where the first king tells him he must help Selena as she is in danger. Dorian takes a little extra time to get Kale and together they are able to find her in the tomb fighting for her life. What happens? Does the portal close? Do Kale and Selena make up? You'll have to keep listening to find out. Spoilers ahead. So major, major spoiler warning. Major, major, major. The huge reveal at the end of this book is that Selena is actually Aelin Ash River. Ash River Galathinius. Got it. Ah! <laughs> Got it. Yes. <laughs> okay, so it's this major reveal because that means she is the rightful heir and queen of Terrace. Queen. Yes. And yes. she can bring down the King of Adderland. So super psyched. Oh, and also Kale is like, hey, let's send her to um, Wendelin. Wendelin. Um, and that's where like all the Fae are. So yeah. he just like delivered her. To- yeah, put her right exactly where she needed to be. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Oh um, man. So yeah. I still like even knowing, like even knowing that she's Fae and exactly who she is, when that came, that part came up in this book, I was still like, mm, chills. Mm-hmm. It was still so major. Yes. I know. It was great. I love the reveal. I love some of like the reveals in this book because they're done like, I mean, some of them are just like stuck in there really yeah. like randomly. And while this was like a big reveal, it just kind of like dropped at the end. And uh-huh. it's not even like Selena revealing it. It's Kale no, being like it's Kale having oh. it's, so it's kind of like this like little subtle dug in like major plot reveal. Yeah. Which I, I love. I think that's a class instead of just dropping it like boom, my name's Aylin, suckers. Kale's like, oh no. You know, it's like that. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, yeah. oh no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. He has that moment where it's like, oh, I just sent her to Windland where all the Fae are. And she has the power to bring down the king that I've sworn my allegiance to. Whoops. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you get for not talking things through with people That's and just it. being like, I'm going to send you off. Bye. That's right, Kale. That's what you get for making decisions for somebody else. <laughs> that was a really hard moment for her. It's like, I, 
know that he was trying, like he was doing it from a good place. But Selena's like, um, this is potentially really problematic, not just for me, but for you. But she can't tell him because the king told her when he hired hired her, quote unquote, you know, that if she didn't come back, then he would start by killing Kale and then kill off everybody in Nehemia's family. So she's like, uh, I appreciate the sentiment but I have to come back or you're going to die. So thanks. Thanks. (laughs) Thank you for that. I appreciate your efforts. Perhaps you should have talked to me before you made this decision, but it doesn't matter. Because the decision was made. The decision was made. It, it, It is what it is. So yes. The first time I read this book, I got probably 40% into it. And I think I saw a spoiler maybe online about Nehemia being dead. And so I read ahead to see what was going to happen and saw that she was going to die. And I DNF'd it. I put it down for probably a year. Over a year. Maybe a year and a half before I picked it up again. Because I picked it up last summer. So, yeah. About a year and a half. So, so that's exactly why I don't read spoilers <laughs> because once I know what's going to happen, I'm not going to want to finish the book. I already know what's going to happen. So why, why bother reading? See, it doesn't usually happen like that. Usually the spoilers are helpful, helpful to me. There's only one book and I still finished the book. It was uh, her fear, her fear, her words, man, her fearful symmetry by Audrey Niffenegger. She's the one that wrote the time traveler's wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read ahead on that one and it did kind of ruin the story for me. That's the only time I can think of where reading ahead kind of ruined it for me because I still ended up coming back to this one. It just took me getting distant from Nehemia's death because it was, I mean, I love Nehemia. She's one of my favorite supporting characters, I think, of the supporting characters that I've read. Period. I really like her too. I love her. She's so well-written um especially in this book she's very frustrated in this book and in the way that sergey mass has written her like yeah you can feel her frustration i was frustrated with her just because there's so like she she's in the presence of people who have the potential to make a difference to do something and she cares so much about her people and they're too cowardly and complacent to do it yeah i know she has similar conversations with um Dorian and Selena yeah um about it I mean she straight up calls Selena a coward coward right which I mean those are like their parting words before you know those are the last words to each other which is really oh really sad so sad so sad I hated that those were there Mm -hmm. like that just it didn't knowing what was going to happen knowing that Nehemia was going to die it it didn't make me feel any like it wasn't any more comforting, you know, (laughs) like it was just as painful to read the second time. And I hated that their last words to each other were so hateful. And so, I mean, Selena's words to her back are just as bad, you know, Nehemia calls her coward. um, And Selena says back when your people are lying dead around you, don't come crying to me. Oh, yeah harsh words yep it hurts me 
And it reminds me, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you can go. So that reminds me of, I mean, you know, like when you know things about yourself, but having other people call you out doesn't feel good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have kind of that moment here with Selena and Nahemia. So this reminded me back in Assassin's Blade, Selena's having this conversation with Sam uh, where she says, deep down, I'm a coward. I'm a coward and I'm scared. I'm scared all of the time, always. And this is where Sam says to her, my name is Sam Cortland and I will not be afraid. He says that he uses that when he's fe feeling fearful. And we see Selena adopting that as kind of her mantra, but we don't really see her using that as a mantra in this book. I don't think she mentioned saying it one time. It makes me wonder if by the time we get to this book, maybe Selena's feeling a little bit lost and having Nehemia call to light the weaknesses that she's been able to acknowledge in herself before doesn't feel good. Yeah. If it makes I, her uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, I mean, Selena's and she's living in the palace of her enemy, right? Mm -hmm. Um so that's not great to begin with. I mean, but she just wants her freedom too, which I, yeah. you know, makes sense. Like if I was her, frankly, I'd be like, that's, yeah, no, I'm just going to keep my head down. Yes. Do what I need to do so that I can be free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just power through. Yeah. I mean, I, saw, go ahead. I was going to say, she got so close to being free with Sam, mm -hmm. you know? And so she's already been in this position of being close to being free Mm -hmm. you know, and losing it. So I could see her not wanting to lose it a second time. Right. Yeah. And she brings this up a few times about how she is in, in this book, specifically as it relates to Archer, about not having choice, about having their choice taken away from them, uh, not being able to make their decisions for themselves. And so I, I understand her resistance to what, Elena and Nehemia are pushing her to do because it's not something that she actively gets to choose and it's going to make her life significantly more difficult. She just wants, she wants to choose what happens with her path and not be pushed, not be pushed into this pathway by Elena and the second as a result of what Elena's pushing, Nehemia is also pushing it as well, not just for her people, but also because she's in communication with Elena. So I understand. I understand her perspective. This isn't the first book that we've read where the main character has a destiny and the road to that destiny is fraught with challenges and not necessarily wanting to be pushed into it. But Compared to the other book that I'm thinking of right now, <laughs> I like this, the way that this carries out <laughs> way better. So, yeah. I also understand why she feels like she can't do anything to help Nehemia. And that's part of the problem too. She literally feels like there's nothing she can do uh, because Nehemia is pushing her to take on the king. Uh, but the king destroyed her home. Her parents were murdered because of it. Her, I mean, everyone close to her is dead or basically stuck serving the king. 
because of what he did to her home country and she barely survived. Uh, And so, I mean, is it really a surprise to feel like she can't help in this situation to feel helpless when she couldn't before, even though she was only eight years old before, is it a surprise that she doesn't feel like she can help? No, not at all. And I think, I mean, most people, so Selena is really interesting because we see her very often taking on a large group of people and being like, I may only be one person, but I am Selena Sardothian, mm-hmm. you know, I can do it. And we see, you know, something like this and she's like, no, nah, it's just me. I can't do it. Right. Right. But it's very different situations from taking on multiple soldiers versus taking on an entire kingdom and king and mm-hmm government you know that to try to take that down um but and not just that like remembering so you know how when you're a kid like scary things feel way scarier or they can feel way scarier um I'm trying to think of like a specific example of something that I was scared of when I was a kid like mm, Best example I can come up with is like a Chucky doll, like absolutely terrifying. Like I was, all dolls were terrifying to me after I realized what a Chucky doll was, like what he represented and like murdering doll. Like as a kid that ruined all dolls for me. Mm-hmm. And even as an adult, like I still don't enjoy dolls. I still don't like they still freak me out. And I know that murderous dolls are not a thing anymore, but I still remember how I felt when I was a kid. And so if you take that sensation, that feeling that you had and you apply it to this situation, the king represents so much trauma for Selena. And she brings this up like uh, in Assassin's Blade and she brings it up in throne of glass and she brings it up in this one Uh, but it's particularly prominent in assassin's blade what i'm thinking of like that feeling of such terror when she's being tried by the king and his ministers Um, she refuses to look at him like just the idea of like just the idea of him instills terror in him and so i can see how just having that like memory of feeling from her childhood would make her hesitant to not <laughs> to get involved. Yeah. And he also has this immense power that they don't understand where it's coming from, you know? Yeah. Either. Like at this point they don't know about the word key, right? Right. Um but there's still there are lots of clues and they've even referenced about something being off about right. this like how did he take down Terrison in a couple of days when that entire country was like made up of warriors to fight you know yeah so yeah yeah i can see i can see both sides or both perspectives i guess mm-hmm. i feel nahemia's frustration uh, but i understand selena's trepidation in trying to take on what she's asking her to take on. Um, I, I, I think, uh, I feel probably more understanding for things from Selena's perspective than I do from Dorian's perspective. And that's another thing that, that comes up. Nahemia has a similar conversation, like you mentioned with Dorian, where she's asking him to do something about 
the slaves in Calicola. And he says that he can't. And Nehemia says, well, if Selena were sent back to Iowa, wouldn't you go get her? Wouldn't you put a stop to it? Or if she were sent to Calicola, wouldn't you do something about it? And he says, well, yeah, <laughs> but it's complicated. Mm -hmm. And she says, there's nothing complicated about it. It's the difference between right and wrong. The slaves in those camps have people who love them just as much as you love my friend. So her, he, he, he can recognize just like Selena can recognize that it's wrong, but where Selena has the trauma affecting her, I mean, her decision-making Dorian, he doesn't have that history. He just has this desire not to disrupt things with his father, I guess. And maybe a fear that his dad will kill him, you know, which is legit, I guess. But I just don't, I have uh, what less sympathy, maybe or less. I have less slack to give Dorian because his experience is not the same as all of the things that Selena has experienced. Does that make sense? Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of Dorian, oh, so Dorian and Kale, right? Boy. Boy, oh boy. So they're like, all appalled about the fact that she's now actually an assassin and bringing back like heads and hands I know. and they like had their stomach turns and they're like oh god so gross like i know she's what? wearing all black what happened to her pretty dresses what did you think was gonna happen she's got a serious facial expression and dead eyes like uh, <laughs> would you feel better if she went murdering with like a cheerful like expression like just this jolly smile I think that would make it worse would it not? <laughs> I think it would. but I just that just made me think of that whole like you'd be prettier if you smiled more <laughs> <laughs> maybe that would maybe she should have smiled as she brought the king the severed heads of his enemies maybe gotcha presents I think what actually, I think, see, I have really conflicting feelings in this book about Kale. In the overall series, I have very solid feelings about him by the end of the book. My feelings are solidified when I read this book, right, separate from the series, pretending I don't know what happens. So he's sweet. He's, I understand that he's torn between his king and his girlfriend, the woman he loves, you know, whatever. But I think what bothers me the most is how like freaked out and disturbed he gets when Selena is like being an assassin and it's covered in blood and stuff like, and he's all like, oh my God, that's unladylike sort of thing. And I'm like, what? she's an assassin. Mm -hmm. What did you think was going to happen? right like so frustrating to me especially like so she kills archer which i love that so good, good. we'll come back so to good. it yes. we will come back to that but he's like i heard him pleading for his life like i was like okay you know what he did mm -hmm. so 
and he's just like oh she's covered in blood or when she comes in and just like slaughters all those rebels i know because they're holding him captive like first off i would be like oh thank you (laughs) you just slaughtered a whole bunch of people for me thank you for me yeah i mean it's a freaking compliment that she (laughs) right Deigned to murder all these people, <laughs> save his freaking life. <laughs> and he's like, oh, she's got, she's covered in blood. Ew. Oh, she killed so many people. She, she's got this dead facial expression. Mm. The killing facial expression. Like. I know. Come on. I know. Well, and he was like, at some point he talks about dreaming for his future and being married to Selena and them having a brood of children okay what do you think she's gonna do when she's me i just uh. i don't know what do you think do you think she's just gonna i don't know i mean i just his vision for the future with her was so bizarre to me i like i could not see such a hard time seeing any sort of future with them together i forgot how dopey kale and Dorian were in the beginning of this book did a whole lot of eye rolling mm-hmm. yeah especially Dorian I I was always a Dorian shipper and I remembered why when I got further into this book because he acts like a dope but he is pretty like thoughtful and open-minded towards the end of the and just like really dedicating to dedicated to being a good friend and I appreciate that like he's a he's a good friend to Kale he's a good friend to Selena he and that's he tries so hard to not make people other people uncomfortable with um, his self there's a lot of things that he does it's like I don't want to put Kale in this position or I don't want to put Selena in this position and I appreciate that so <clears throat> he is kind of dumb but he's also sweet and kind I got frustrated with him a little bit with his jealousy see I wouldn't quite have before but there's one scene relatively close to the beginning where oh it's a scene with the singing I think Rena. Goldsmith mm-hmm. is singing, right? And he sees um, Kale and Selena looking at each other all like romantically. And yeah. he like, he's like, he takes a breath and lets her go. But mm-hmm. then he's still all like- Pouty. Eh, yeah, pouty. That's a good way about it. And I was like, dude, either move on or don't. Like, yeah. you said you were gonna like, mm-hmm. do it. I know it's not that easy, but like, that was- Try. This, yeah, try. <laughs> yeah. So, but since we're on that, you want to talk about that scene with Rena? Oh yeah, man, I love that scene loved so it. so much. First mm-hmm. of all, just the descriptions around it were spectacular, uh, but I love what it represents. Uh, it so there are a lot of characters, or it seems like maybe I'm pulling this out of the air. It seems like there are a lot of ways that characters are like really subtly subversive. Nehemia, especially like a lot of subtle subversion and undermining of the king. And this Rena Goldsmith is one of the characters that works at some subversion that's not quite, I mean, it's a little subtle to everyone else, but to the king, especially it's not subvert like subtle at all. It's super obviously subversive and he kills her for it. But I, I love that scene and I love the way it's described 
described. And I love how she says, I've been working my way up for 10 years to get to the point where I could sing in front of you. And she, he, uh, prepares her really gets her. She, you know, gets put on the executioner's block and she starts naming all of the people that the King killed and who she sang for is so powerful. Yeah, it, it is. There's something about that scene. I was like, like especially when she's there and it says like I think she like recites the name until the blade comes down like she's reciting these names yeah and like she knew she knew going into it that that was gonna happen but she had her moment Mm -hmm. you know yeah and okay she didn't start the rebellion with it or anything but it made you know she I mean it's still powerful yes it's a powerful statement Um, and it's I love it because it, you know, uh, King is just so, he's so awful. He's so, so awful. And so I love it when there's, I love it that there are still people who are willing to challenge him and push people back. And I think it's a good representation for, or uh, to put in contrast with maybe like the hopelessness that Selena feels, you know, that she can't, that he's just got too, too much power, too much reach. The King is just too much for her to take on. Uh, But there are still people in this world who are willing to challenge him and to stand up for what's right and to stand up for the people that he killed. It's just a matter of finding and amassing them. Caught, like, definitely caught some Easter eggs on the second read. Mm-hmm. Oh, like uh, Wesley killing Rourke? Yes, I forgot. So I guess because I didn't read Assassin's Blade the first time around that I that, that statement was made and I was like, oh okay yep I know those characters meant like nothing to me on my first read so I just completely was like okay some dead people whatever you know like okay yes and this time read it was like what this makes this is a huge thing and that Arabin had him like impaled on the 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 gates like yeah ah what a dirt bag I just hate him so much now (laughs) I hated him before, but it was like, well, he's a bad guy and I hate him because of what he did to my girl. But this time I'm like, <gasps> the fury. Yeah. Oh, I, I hate him. He's way worse now that I've read Assassin's Blade. So, right. So this meant, I mean, not that it meant nothing to me, but I mean, we think about too, how Wesley tried to stop her yes. from going. And that's mentioned in this too. If we hadn't read Assassin's I'm so glad that we read it before this because I had never read it before. Yeah. Um. We did the podcast on it. Yeah. So I'm so glad that we, that we read it because all these little things. And there's also this moment where Kale and Selena are talking about like their past loves, right? So he apparently had previous heartbreak and the girl left him for somebody higher up on the food chain, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And she tells him about Sam and he asks her if Sam loved her. And this is what she thinks. She doesn't say this, but she thinks this. Yes, more than anyone had ever loved her. He'd loved her enough to risk everything, to give up everything. He'd loved her so much that she still felt the echoes of it, even now. (gasps) It's, that's horror. That's so sad, Mm -hmm. right? But it's also like, to still feel, there's also some part of like comfort in it. Maybe that she still feels the echoes of being loved, especially because she's in a palace full of, People, if they knew who she really was, would hate her and kill her and everything. Yeah. 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 You know, she's got these remnants sort of in this echo of it. But 
that statement again when I read it the first time I was like oh like you know but this time it was it hit, hit so much harder yeah um because oh, Sam was such a sweetheart yes um and that it's even more depth to Nehemia's death as well and yes. her feelings around Kale being captured and her trying to make it back to the castle to save Nehemia mm-hmm Yeah. Yeah. It puts so much in perspective. I didn't realize how much we were missing out on the first time. I didn't either. Yeah. Did not realize. There's another part where like um Kale gets an Asterian horse for yeah. his birthday. And Selena goes, Oh, I had an Asterian horse one time. And they're like, What? And she goes, Yeah, I stole it. <laughs> and I'm like, I know that story. I know what happened. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's just a lot to pull in from Assassin's Blade that we missed before. Yeah. We were talking about yellow legs. Yeah. Um, You really like that scene. I really like that scene. Would you oh, like to go first? Oh, it's so good. It doesn't matter. Uh, why don't you pick it up? Sure. So I'll talk about, I know in our notes, we have a little bit of a different things. So I love all of the pieces coming together in that. Um, so yellow legs tells her the story behind this riddle that she has. Um, and it's basically like this history that people don't really know about, you know, so they know there was this demon war. They know that like the first king and the first queen, you know, they won it, but there's all this backstory about these word keys and these word marks and this word gate that we didn't know about. And it's just like this big, I don't want to say info dump, because mm-hmm. it's not quite right, but it's just all of this like coming together of how much more and how much more magic is infused really into this book, into this uh, country in general, especially because I think magic is gone completely, but we know that these word things all have magic of their own. And uh, so that's one of my favorite uh, scenes like part of it and I know you have a whole other part like the whole interaction thing is you so go on I I love the scene that you're talking about too the, it is nice that all of that stuff comes together like it's really it's a really spectacular way I mean I love that Sarah J Mass just like ties in all of this magic stuff with like a rhyme like a riddle like three little stanzas like oh this is everything cool (laughs) just put it all in this tiny little part on one page but yeah I mean that's that's a cool way to to tie all that magical stuff in but I just every part of the description of Baba Yellowleg's scene was spectacular like first of all the description of this woman absolutely absolutely terrifying but especially her little caravan that she stays in like the descriptions of all of the mirrors and how it seems way like bigger. It's like a TARDIS is bigger on the inside. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, I just the descriptors around that scene are so vivid and it, like I can sort of picture uh, where Selena is in this situation. And I love when an author is able to make it so real. And I also like their fight. Yes. And how this is one of those situations where Selena kind of underestimates her opponent because she thinks because Baba Yellow, Yellow Legs is like over 500 years old and she looks old that maybe she won't be 
as much of a challenge. She underestimates her a little bit, but she is like able to move super fast and is a really spectacular fighter. And she manages to take Selena down a couple of times. And so it's just a really great, like she's a good opponent for Selena. I love I it. Um, I, one of the things that I found really interesting is so at some point she managed, so uh, yellow legs manages to kind of like sink her nails into mm-hmm. um, Selena and it looks like a necklace now so she's gonna have these like scars mm-hmm. that like kind of look like a necklace which I found really interesting it also made me think of Black Panther like oh, that's really? how I pictured it the you know those oh, like yeah. on his thing that's how I pictured the mm-hmm. scars to look like um like on his suit yeah so but yeah, I love she's breaking all those mirrors to find her, which I thought was yes. kind of funny instead of trying to be like, you know how people try to find their way out of the like freaky uh-huh. mirror thing. She's just like, I'm just going to, I'm just destroying them all. Bust so it just, down. Just destroy forget everything. It. Yeah. <laughs> not going to try to finesse any part of this. Let's just break all the mirrors and figure this out. It's so, uh, yeah, it's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, then, and then she beheads her, which is pretty, I mean, that's pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and I like how even in the scene, she's hearkening back to the things that she remembers from Ansel's story about the iron teeth which is in assassin's blade mm-hmm. so we get that reference too that maybe didn't make a ton of sense before but yeah. now we know the story and now it makes sense oh you know who we didn't talk about at all no mort, mort. yeah let's talk about mort yeah so i mean i didn't bring him up and you didn't bring him up in your thing but mort is this door knocker this enchanted door knocker right mm-hmm. which by the way makes me think of a christmas carol yeah same the muppet christmas carol or a different one i mean just a christmas carol in general that's the i mean that's what happens it's got a okay door knocker talks it's marley yeah yeah but see when i think a christmas carol i always think muppet christmas carol no i don't fine okay i don't think i've ever seen it well it's a muppet door knock door knocker oh is it really no see i imagine so for whatever reason, I don't remember if it was my school took me to do it, if my parents took me, whatever. I went and saw like the Christmas Carol at uh, a local theater for like every Christmas. So I imagine what I saw there, which was like a dark setting, somebody going to knock on the door and then it being like, bah, okay. living, living door knocker. Yeah. But anyway, in this case, instead of it being Marley, it is Mort. <laughs> <laughs> And Mort's kind of sassy. He is sassy. <laughs> and he knows the answer to things and he knows these secrets and so frustrating that he won't just tell her. I know. And that's frustrating. He does give her some pretty helpful clues. Like he's the one who encourages her or gives her the hint to go see Yellow Legs, you know, yeah. to find out more. But um, he was interesting. Sassy little door knocker. Mm-hmm. I like that he's like ex- exempt from the magic too. So this this like no magic thing doesn't isn't just like a blanket thing. His magic is so old that you can't cover it up. Yeah, and I think it's interesting too. So at one point he asks Selena, like, "Aren't you worried about angering the gods?" Because she takes um oh, what's the name of the sword? Damaris. Damaris. She takes Damaris from the tomb. And he's like, aren't you afraid of angering the gods? And she laughs because it's like, do, do you know her story? Like, mm-hmm. I don't, 
I mean, what else is going to happen at this point? Yeah. <laughs> like, Did it get any worse? <laughs> it's like pretty sure this can't get much worse. Right. Um, so shut up, Mort. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, let's, let's see, we talked about Rena. We talked about, oh, let's see. You mentioned at some point feeling bad about Dorian. So Dorian does a good little bit of self-exploration in this book, which I appreciate. Uh, because he becomes one of my, his character arc becomes one of my favorite character arcs. And so I know where he's going. And I think if he started out as not a dope at the beginning, I wouldn't appreciate, I wouldn't have such an appreciation for him down the road. Is that spoilery? No, I mean, he's got a character arc that will be He seen. has a character arc, yeah. So I feel a little bit bad in him for him in this book because he does, I mean, he's a little bit lighthearted and joking about his fear that his dad is going to kill him. But at one point he says like, he never really considered his family actually being part of his family. Like he never really considered himself as being part of their family, which is sad. Yeah. I think he just really, I mean, he's got a good friendship with Kale, but it's still just a friendship. And so maybe that's why he had such a hard time uh, letting go of his affection for Selena is because he felt like he maybe finally found someone that could be like family to him. Um, even though, you know, he, he met her three times and fell in love with her. Hey, I mean, yeah, I know it's, I know, but, uh, yeah, okay. you know, like when we've, we've run into this concept before in books, like you can't control falling in love with someone. You can't control how deeply you love someone. Um, I want to say it was, it was Daisy in the shadow and bone series. You know, she fell in love with people all the time. And she makes a comment about this in the book. Like, even if you haven't loved someone for very long or known them for very long, you can't always, I mean, you can't necessarily control the depth that you feel for them. And so even though he didn't know her for very long or know anything about her, that doesn't necessarily lessen the depth of what he felt for her. And so it makes me think that when he is struggling to see her move on, with kale and let her go it's it's not just about his feelings for her it's maybe about the loneliness that he feels in being a prince and in not having like strong ties with his family um one of the reasons i felt bad is that so at the beginning and probably i mean throughout the book you know he's questioning whether or not selena felt anything for him at all or if you know she was just using him mm -hmm. um and that i felt badly for him there because he did mean something to her you know we know from her like kind of inner dialogue stuff that he meant something to her and that it hurts her too to not be close to him mm -hmm. this scene though where he like holds out his hands and was like do you want me to fight for you is that it mm -hmm. i was like oh yeah Maybe I just I wish she would communicate more with people. That's always yeah. been her. I mean, it continues to be throughout. Yeah. I mean, just she needs to communicate. She's not a big communicator. No, and does that I mean, surprise you though? No, based no. on what you know about her character, is that surprising? 
No, it's not. I mean, think about like the, I mean, we know that when she was, um, you know, worked or was living at the Assassin's Keep and everything, everything had to be secret. Everything had to be kept close to the, her chest, you know, like mm-hmm. we know that that was the environment that she grew up in. So that's not going to be something that will easily be, you know, broken out of her or whatever, easily to break out of that mindset. But it's still frustrating to me. Right. You know, I'm still like that. Yeah. <laughs> Just communicate just say just talk (laughs) yeah just say what you're feeling yeah 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 I know it is frustrating but I understand I understand why she is that way yeah and in light of understanding why people act the way that they do let's see if we can spin kale where he doesn't come off as such an idiot I mean, relatively easily because I had conflicted emotions towards him for this as well. Yeah. I mean, he, <sighs> we both just sigh at the same time. Um, I, I don't think it'll be too hard to make him not seem like a total dope. So he has spent a large portion of his life working towards and being captain of the card. And then he falls in love with Selena. Mm-hmm. And he does say, though, that he would give this up for her and run away with her. Yeah. Which reminds me of Sam. And I bet that freaked her out. Yeah. You know, because last time somebody promised to do that, they ended up dead. Right. Um, so that didn't turn out well. So, I mean, he's sweet. And then what he does to send her off, you know, in the and his idea was to keep her safe. Mm-hmm. right is again something really sweet he cares for her he does love her it is a little frustrating he's older than her by he's like what 20 he's 22 so he's probably about four years older than her he's about four years older than her um you know so i don't know really how much that has to do with anything i think that has more to do with his mindset of looking forward like towards the future mm-hmm though with her we don't totally get a ton of that from selena's perspective she's very i don't know i don't think self-centered is the right word for it she's but she's very focused on what she's going to do with her life which makes sense because she's never had a choice before and whether or not kale comes along is up to him Mm -hmm. you know yeah Yeah. so i don't i i don't know i have conflicting feelings about him like break out of this like whole caring so much for the king mm-hmm. and see what's right in front of you and also stop being like oh gross she has blood on her i i think so we see a lot of inner conflict with kale in this book and i feel a lot of conflict about kale in this book he struggles with Maintaining his loyalty to the king, even though there's some really obvious things that the king does that should make you question your loyalty to him if you're not a dirtbag. Um, and so we see him have these these inner conversations where it's like, well, if something happened to her because of the king, then I would be really bothered and I would leave my role as captain of the guard for her. And he even makes a deal with his father to get her out of Rifthold. So he, we see this sort of waffling between like, do I remain loyal to the king? Do I do what's best for Selena? Because he really, I mean, he cares for her. His affection for her is kind of 
she has like their relationship is kind of weird. We see, I mean, this is not in this, I guess it's maybe it's Selena. I don't know where we see these like weird relationships between her and other males, but uh, I think part, uh, I get frustrated with Kale's loyalty and servitude to the king when it's really obvious that the king is doing things that are not good upstanding kingly activities and i think it has to do with oh, everything that kale gave up to become captain of the guard so he he sacrificed his legacy basically he sacrificed his future as the guardian or leader i don't know whatever his leadership role would be at aniel which was his home so that he could be captain of the guard which also means separating from his family severing his relationship with his mother who he did have a good relationship and his younger brother um putting up with a bunch of crap from his father and so he sacrificed all of this stuff to become captain of the guard. And in a way, I think that that because of that, captain of the guard became his identity. And so when he has to start identify or when he has to start looking at things that may like question the goodness, maybe, of the person that he's serving as captain of the guard. Or if he would even continue to be captain of the guard if he continued his relationship with Selena. It's it's a it's a point of just difficulty it's it's a struggle for him and i think that's where a lot of the conflict comes from it's it is kind of funny in the end that it's between queen of terrison and yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and he has that moment at the end of the book where it's like oh because even at the end i think it's selena she like professes her love for him have, no, she like, doesn't. Does she, she oh, says, he professes his love for her. Yes. She, but she, she does say, yeah, but she does say, I chose you. I will always choose you. Mm. Him. Which, eh, well, yeah. um, she does have this interesting, I don't remember, I don't think it's actually at this, that point that you're talking about where she's like, I still have feelings for you and I will. I may always have feelings for you, but I just can't do this relationship with you anymore in light of all of the things that happened with Nehemia. I think that's when he finds her will. Oh, yeah. That's when he finds her will. Everything's left to him. Yeah. Oh, also during that scene, after he finds her will, and then when she's like, it's over, get out of my room, you know, mm -hmm. sort of thing. He has to go to a broom closet and cry. Oh, it's sad. I mean, it's, it's sad. sad. I don't, I feel conflicted about Kale's character because he's not, he's not my favorite, but I don't hate him. And I, I do feel, I feel bad for him. He's in a difficult situation. Even though I know it's coming, I felt so bad for Kale that I was like, just, I still wanted it to turn out okay. Yeah. I just hate seeing book people sad, I guess. No. Like, even though I know it's, you know, how it all plays out. But that's why I think I was so upset the first time I read it, too. Because this is my second time reading it. I know what's happening in the future. And I'm still like, I want it to work out. Like, whatever. 
why yeah um and the first time I read it I was like ah he's so great I love him and it was all ruined it's like just just talk just talk oh I like that Selena pushes him to question his circumstances especially around the king uh, when she reveals to him that she hasn't actually been assassinating all the ping- the people that the king has asked her to kill, he's like, but you swore an oath to him and they're traitors. <laughs> and he- she's like, okay, but he swore oaths to lots of people and he killed a ton of people and went back on his oaths and they're traitors to him, but are they really traitors? So I like that she pushes him to question things. So I have more things to say about Nehemia's death because it affected me. But something that I want to highlight, because this is what really becomes a point of contention um, with Kale and Selena, Selena, he received a warning before the week Nehemia was killed that there had been a, a threat made on her life. And he didn't tell Nehemia about it. And he didn't tell Selena about it. And then the king told him the next day that, or not the next day, the king told him the day before Nehemia died that he was planning to question her. And he didn't share that information with either of them again. So he withheld that information. And Selena feels really betrayed because he didn't share that. And he later comes to regret it because if... If he had shared it, they could have both been on guard. So the way that things happen, it, it, it's how it's supposed to happen. But do you feel like it's really that big of a deal that he didn't tell Selena about the threats? I think it's very hypocritical of her <laughs> to be so upset when she keeps so much. Like even at the end, right? So although she puts it on him and is like, well, if you had told me about this, like we could have worked together and you wouldn't have, wouldn't have gotten sent off. Like if you had told him about the word keys and everything going on in advance, maybe this wouldn't have been a problem to begin with. Right. You know? So I feel like she keeps enough from him as well. That's very important. Yeah. You know, and she does it for similar reasons, thinking that it will protect him. Yeah. You know? So yeah. I felt like it was hypocritical of him. And I mean, obviously, I understand why she's upset. I'd, I'd be upset. Right. You know? it's, it's understandable. But I also feel it's pretty hypocritical of her to be upset that somebody kept something from her. Yeah. When she... That's literally all she does. Yeah. That's like her thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when they find Nehemia's body, first of all, I was very grateful. So they, she talks about how... Nehemia has been like dismembered, but she doesn't give a whole lot of details for which I'm grateful because I did not enjoy reading that in Assassin's Blade. When she finds Nehemia and Kale like runs into the room and she attacks him. First of all, I loved it just because of the violence, but she says to him, you will always be my enemy. Mm-hmm. So obviously she's referring to his role in keeping information from her about Nehemia. But do you think she's also referring to him 
in his role as captain of the guard in serving the king of Adderlin, who's responsible for the destruction of her home and also as her opponent opponent as she is the queen of Terrison. Yes, I do. I definitely, once I like realized who she was in the, my first read of it, and I thought back to that moment, I was like, oh yeah, that's what she's referencing because she really emphasizes that always, mm-hmm. right? Like, you know, it wasn't just you were my enemy in this moment. It's you will always be my enemy. So that means it goes way past just what happened. And and I definitely think, and I think she kind of sees Dorian. And I mean, I don't think she sees Dorian necessarily as an enemy, but she sees him in the same light. It's the son of her enemy. Mm-hmm. You know, she can't get, she can't get too attached. Can't get, right. you know. Too trusting. Too trusting with them. Which I mean, you know, it's another reason why maybe they don't, she doesn't reveal everything to them. But at the same time, she's not super trustworthy necessarily either. Right. So they don't reveal everything to her. It's a very, it's a catch-22 situation. I think that's actually probably, yeah, that's the right, right way to use catch-22. Um, <laughs> but it takes me a second. We don't want to get in one of those ironic situations. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah. So I definitely thought when she was referencing back, you will always be my enemy, is definitely reference back to them being from enemy countries, mm-hmm. enemy nations. Yeah. Definitely. Did yeah. you? Oh yeah, definitely. You don't real. I don't like. You don't realize that you make that realization until the end when you realize that she's the queen. Although the second time we kind of catch those little, you know, breadcrumbs that she might be Aelin. Uh, you don't really. It doesn't fully um, carry that weight until you get to the end of the book. Right. Because I remember on my first read, I was like, she's being very dramatic. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a very intense situation, obviously. It's just your dead friend. Gosh. It's like splayed open, right? Yeah. Um, no, but I just meant that like I when I first read it, I was like, well, that seems that seems a bit dramatic to condemn him to always be her enemy when, you know, but looking back, obviously, yes. How could he not be? Right. Did you think it was dramatic when she tried to stab him in the heart? Well, yeah. I definitely thought she was overreacting. (laughs) I understand why, based on her past history. Don't get me wrong. I completely understand her actions. Yeah. This is completely an understandable situation. Still, I think it's a bit of an overreaction. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I don't, I hope most people would agree with that statement. (laughs) That trying to stab your lover... In the heart. In the heart. A bit of an excessive response. Yes. I guess. (laughs) I guess. I like how Dorian uses his magic Mm -hmm. to save Kale. Yeah. Does he do it twice in this book? He He does. He uses it three times in this book. He uses it three times. He uses it twice to save Kale. I think in this scene... He saves Kale in the scene where the portal gets opened. Doesn't he save Kale from the monster? Oh, yeah. 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 The, yeah. The Kale Dorian bromance. You know, I, I talked in the last episode about how I like the the positive female relationship between Nehemia and Selena. But I really like 
the positive male friendship that we have between Dorian and Kale, and it definitely suffers some challenges in this book. Um, but I, there, I like, I like romantic storylines. Like they're really nice, and it, it, they're nice to read about, especially in fantasy, because it's hard to carry that over to real life sometimes. But um, I really like stories about good friendships too, and that's something that I think this author does well there's a couple of authors that we write about who they're like their romantic storylines are great but their friendship storylines are really really great and we see some good friendships in this series i agree and this is one of them dorian and kale Mm -hmm. i feel i feel i guess bad again for dorian in this story because he discovers that he does have magic and it's this situation where it's like, Oh no, my father will literally kill me if he discovers that I have magic. So he, yeah, he isolates himself even more because of that. More loneliness, more sadness. I mean, Nehemia was, um, she said to him that she would be there for him when he needed it. So she, she knew, and especially that, um, we know that scene too, where she's talking to the queen, Mm-hmm. um about either the prince or selena yeah um that she knew there was more to dorian mm-hmm. um, yeah i wonder if she traced like a word mark on him so do you remember they're at some type like a ball or something and she's pushing him about talking to his dad about calicola and he says that she draws a symbol on his chest Oh, I wonder if it's like a word mark or something. I wonder if she in some way like released his magic. Yeah. Maybe. Because, yeah, where did it all of a sudden come from? Ooh, Mm -hmm. good catch, Marissa. I mean, I try. That's good. There's just so much to catch the second time around. Yeah. It's good. Um, I didn't pick up on that. But yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Who knows? But I mean, she he definitely says like she drew a symbol on me or something. So that's and we know Nahimi is the queen of word marks. Mm-hmm. I mean, Selena ends up being pretty good at them, right? right? She manages to open all those doors in the catacombs and she manages to seal them back up. And then she manages to open a portal to the underworld. I imagine it as the underworld. I don't say really the underworld, but like basically the underworld. Wherever the dead people go. Right. The world of the dead. The dead folks. (laughs) Wherever they're residing. (laughs) Yeah. So she's, you know, surprisingly good with word marks too for somebody who... um... Well, it's that magic book that keeps popping up. That's true. Oh, you mentioned the catacombs. I had so much anxiety reading that scene, even the second time around. Like I knew exactly what was going to happen. I was like, I have to put this down and step away for a second. This still stressed me out. Would you, so let's say you're in a library, big old library. You happen upon a secret door. Do you, and then you open it and it's really dark and there are, the, there are these creepy like etchings in the wall of people looking at you. Do you, A, go in or B, Shut the door and walk away. Go in. I don't know why anybody would not go in. I would Come shut the on. door and walk away because I'm no. a coward. Yes. That is such a cool <laughs> adventure. Nope. Come on. 
That's like when that elevator door opened on the abandoned floor and I was like, I'm going exploring. Oh, no. I did. It really? was cool. Vicky. I'm in fine, the movie, clearly. In the movies, that's how you get murdered. Well, it was cool. And right. I didn't get murdered. Right. So, let's so feel- say, Okay, so let's say you go into the catacombs. You're like, all right, this is pretty. I mean, there's a bunch of these random doors that looks like jail cells, but okay. Like, I can't open any of them, but whatever. I saw, like, these scary eyes, but I'm just going to ignore that for a second. There's been, a like, a wraith-like thing creeping around in the library. So, already on high alert, but whatever. I'm going to keep going. You get to the corridor with the door that's got, like, gigantic gouges in it obviously something with nails has been and then you get to the next door where there's all of this destruction do you keep going or do you turn around well at this point she starts getting a really bad headache right right yes i would turn around at the headache point if i did not have a headache i'd be following that till the end oh my gosh i mean i'd be murdered i would die so worried for you (laughs) well luckily i don't live anywhere in a palace with catacombs so we're good but yeah, if we go somewhere where I can find like some secret catacombs. Oh gosh, you're going to go by yourself because I'm not going. <laughs> I will not go with you. I will stand at the door. Wow. I'm sorry. This is how I am. I'm a coward. I'm not ashamed of it. You could like stand behind me, like have 9-1 plugged into okay. your phone, you know? And so when I scream for help, you can just, you know, finish up the call. It's not going to matter if I call 911 <laughs> if we're already being eaten. They won't be there in time. I will already be That's dead true. when they That's arrive. True. <laughs> That's true. I do love the scene when she discovers the catacomb. So it's a good, there's a lot of good tension. And it's really interesting the way that it, like she, she has this realization. She pulls it together with a riddle that she discovers and with the king and with the rings that like, so if she's mentioned the rings several times at this point, the black rings. And she realizes like, oh, the black rings, the clock tower, like it's all obsidian. This is really significant. Like it's a really good sort of tie in with all of these other, th- these like things that have been dropped, but are just kind of floating around. We, we start pulling it together at this point and it's really it's really nice yeah I, I love things coming together yeah and Dorian like she pulls Dorian in here too he gets to help or Dorian like his I don't know Dorian like gets a weird vibe and has to go find her right yeah yeah and then like yeah yeah See, the the further into this book I got, the more I was like, oh, I remember why Dorian was my favorite now. I remember it. Because he, he's a little bit complacent, but he's a little bit brave, too. He starts stepping out a little bit more when he realizes that he has magic. Yeah. So, I guess out of necessity, maybe. I don't know. But and then he, so they, they, they sort of, after she and Kale break up, she and Dorian kind of their friendship back together and that's nice i like that for selena she realized like nahemia is dead her relationship falls apart with kale and she feels like she has nothing and then she realizes no i've still got dorian i've still got this one person uh should we talk a little bit about 
Graves death. Yeah. Let's talk about it. You want to kick it off? Sure. So uh, Selena first believes that Graves is the one who killed Nehemia. Yeah. Right. Um, or well, that it was hired through. He was mm-hmm. hired through um, whatever Lord Mollison. Lord Mollison, right? Believes that he was hired that way. Um, and so she finds him and she fights with him. Well, I don't even, there's not even much of a fight, right? but no. there is not much fight. This is so Graves, if you guys don't remember from the last book, is the one that she dropped the handkerchief on. Mm-hmm. Oh, so bad. So, so anyway, this is now her, his chance for revenge to against her because, you know, she emasculated him right. sort of thing. And so he's thinking, oh, I'm going to get her this time. And no, man, she just stabs him in all of his limbs. It's all brilliant. of them. It's <laughs> all so of his great. limbs. Straight through, like, the bone into the ground. Yeah. Fantastic. Takes it's a lot so of strength. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What's wrong with us? The audacity <laughs> of this man when she is like, I mean, she's stalking him, basically. She's mm-hmm. hunting him. He's like, I'm going to run away. She's not going to catch me. And if she does, I'll, I'll give her what she's asking for. Like even right up to the point where she's stabbing him. He's like, oh, I'm going to get her. Like, no, <laughs> no grave. You're not. Mm-hmm. It is. It His death was very satisfying. He's such a dirt bag. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. Awful. He was awful. His, his death was very satisfying it was and then right so then we find out that he was hired by archer should we talk about yeah let's how talk about play archer. Out with archer so archer's a little lying sleaze bag um, <laughs> <laughs> he is um so as it turns out that while he was working with nehemia with his rebel group she actually left it mm-hmm. because she didn't like his ways they were too violent i guess right right and he actually proposes to Selena that they get word keys for themselves so that they can like create a whole nother world, you mm-hmm. know? And yeah, which I mean, I get the appeal of that. That'd be pretty cool. Sure. Um, All create- power is like enticing, I suppose. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Selena obviously realizes that this is toxic <laughs> um, right. and not good. Um, especially after she realizes that he's the one who hired Graves, um, to kill, uh, Nehemia and she's great. She pretends, you know, at first to like, oh yeah, I totally, I understand. And then she, uh, fights him and he gets away at first. Coward. He runs away. He runs away and he's got that book, Mm -hmm. but she does catch him. Yeah. And it's great under the castle it's uh it is really good because he's tried to escape so he's basically trapped like he couldn't get out and mm-hmm. she happens upon him and he you know he tells her he basically yeah he proposes like we'll just what if we do this and we'll become all powerful and she's like i have exactly zero interest in doing that i would rather destroy everything than see someone like you in power and he gets defensive and butthurt about that. And she's like, she decides not to kill him. He just has to leave town and she never wants to see him again. And he says to her, I always knew you were a good woman. 
and nails his own coffin shut with those words. <laughs> uh, I knew you were a good woman. Are you kidding me? And so she uses that moment to stab him in the heart. And she says something like, well, I may not be a good woman, but Nehemia was. It was the wrong thing to say. He, she realizes that he was manipulating her just like he has been for this entire book. Mm -hmm. And his death is also really satisfying. And this is another one of those scenes that we also get because Kale is there and he witnesses Archer begging for his life and then witnesses, I guess, probably to what him is, you know, Selena being like, I'm going to stab you anyway. Mm -hmm. um, but we know that's not really the case. Right. Um, and he's like somewhat horrified by it. But whatever. As he is with all things her. these days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was horrified by period blood. What are you going to do with the dude? Right. Um, I know. Throw him away. <laughs> into the bin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is also all part of the scene where it's revealed that she has fey heritage too. Yes. Which oh, is brilliant. You know, they go through that portal, right? Mm -hmm. So Kale had followed Fleetfoot in there and then Selena was like, uh, well, that's not good. Yeah. Um, so she also goes in there and it forces her to change into her fey form. Mm -hmm. And Kale does not like that at all. Yeah. Um, he manages, so they manage to get out and she kind of like passes out, I guess, because she uses so much power. You know, she like channels everything into that sword and just creates this like chasm. Yeah, just oh this my insane gosh. Thing. And he brings her out and then just like dumps her on the floor. I know. And it's like, uh, even okay. Dorian's like, oh, I guess that's bad. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. That was such a great scene when she, so I know Kale's like butthurt because she's Faye or whatever, but like she's Faye. That is so huge. And just like the description of her power. So she manifests like all of this fire, which gave me chills. And then she, she like channels her power into Damaris, into her sword and she stabs it into the ground. And my first thought was like Gandalf, like you shall not pass and she keeps all of those like monsters in whatever realm this is from getting to them like it was such a powerful scene yeah it and was. i know i like i know kale's like upset because you know she's fey and has magic but part of me is also wondering if he's like i can't hang <laughs> i cannot hang with this woman she's <laughs> <laughs> maybe way out of my league at this point maybe um yeah it that's so great and that's one of those it's interesting because that's one of those like big deal reveals you know really yeah. dramatic reveals that uh sarah j mass gives us in this book mm -hmm. you know super dramatic reveal and when you think about that compared to finding out that she's a freaking queen of terrorism mm -hmm. right it's interesting contrast yeah to those reveals i don't know what do you think is more of a like <gasps> Her being queen or her being Faye? Mm. Her being queen. Because, because, I mean, she could be Faye and 
she could be Faye and still be really powerful and it, and it just be that she could just be like this different type of warrior. But the fact that she's the queen and we've heard several times up to this point, like the only person who could amass the power needed to combat the king of Adderlin is the queen of Terrison, not knowing that it was her. Um, and we've heard Aelin, Ashriver, Galathinius, and like the only force that could fight the king would be her forces. Like we've heard that a few times in this book. And so she could be Faye and it, it just be that she's Faye, but her being queen, like, okay, we have an opponent now. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? I think I really wasn't. So I knew she was someone, she must've been someone important and powerful. So I feel like the Faye reveal to me was more unexpected yeah. than the queen reveal. Um, or I just got, got caught up in the drama. Right. I mean, it's certainly like the, and it could just be that I, so I like the way that she delivers the reveal of Selena being the queen. Yeah. I like that. It's subtle. It's not like a bomb. It's not like this big bomb drop. Like when it's revealed that she's Faye because she crosses over into that realm and it's like, boom, transformation. Like it's this big moment. There's a lot of drama surrounding it. When she reveals that she's Aelin, it's, she just kind of slithers it in. It's not even Aelin revealing that sh who she is. It's Kale revealing it and having this massive realization for the ramifications of that reveal. And I like that. It's, it's still very powerful, but it's not so in your face. I love a reread. Yeah, especially I know said this several times, but there's just so much. Yeah, especially with Sarah J. Mass books, like a reread on these. There's so many little Easter holes, just all these little things tying stuff together. Love it. I mean, a guitar with the whole I've been looking for you. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, just all the books, all the books that she writes. It's brilliant. Um, I don't know how she did it. She was like a teenager when she wrote this book, right? Oh, yeah. Like she was super young. Like I was stupid when I was a teenager. Yeah, I could never. <laughs> <laughs> no, never. Teenage me was not clever. I mean, no. maybe she was a little clever, but not like this. No, teenage me does not have this level of like critical thinking and development. <laughs> Being able to like put all these little clues and breadcrumbs in there no man I'm nope yeah teenage I don't even know if I could do that now probably not no it would take me a long time to sort out like I probably could plot it out yeah but I mean I don't think it would be good <laughs> no. at all no it'd probably be like really obvious not like the way that mass does it yeah it would be like, I am Aelin Gashtriver Galathinius. <laughs> I'm the queen of Terrison and I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Zero finesse, no subtlety whatsoever. Yeah. So my favorite quote was when Selena opened the portal to try to speak Hemia after she had passed. And Nehemia tells her, like, do not open this. Do not do this again. But she also says, I want you to know that in the darkness of the past 10 years, 
you were one of the bright lights for me. Do not let that got light go out. I really like that. Their, their last words together were not kind. Their last interaction was not reflective of the rest of their friendship. Um, and that's it's hard when someone you love passes and the last words that you say to them are not said in kindness. So I, even though, even in light of that, I like that Nahimi is able to give her at least some of the, some, some, a little bit of, of comfort and, and to indicate what she meant to her in her life. Um, and I think that also her, because in, in Throne of Glass, doesn't she tell her not to let that light go out? Does she not say something similar to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's nice yeah. that we get that little, that little reflection from Throne of Glass pulled back into, into this. So that's my favorite quote. Vicki, what about you? So this was, I'm pretty sure this was the scene where Selena is just like slaughtering all those rebels um, that kidnapped uh, Kale, right? Mm-hmm. Before she knew they were rebels. So somebody says, I don't know, there are worse things out there to face. Selena slowly turned to him, her face splattered with blood and eyes blazing bright. No, there aren't, she said, because I'm here now. Oh. <sighs> Chills. I got chills. From so that. powerful. Yeah. Oh, I Th- love that, that is the that is the rebel slaughtering scene, right? When she goes to save. I th- I think Kale? so. Well, either way. Either way, there's another. So in that scene, when the person has Kale being held hostage, and Kale's like, mm, "This is not going to be good. She's going to come and kill you." And the guy that's holding Kale hostage is like, "She's just one girl." Oh, you gonna learn today? <laughs> you gonna learn? <laughs> yeah, she's so ferocious. I love her. <laughs> yeah, she's great. So, you have any final thoughts on this book, Marissa? I'm glad we're through it. Not because it's bad, but because I am desperate to get on to the next book. Um, I really, I mean, I enjoyed this book. The reread was, it somehow did not lessen the anxiety that I felt. It it seems like you shouldn't be as anxious about what's going to happen when you know exactly what's going to happen. But that was not the case because I still got really anxious about the things and maybe even more so because I knew what was going to happen. So I really enjoyed it, but I am so excited to be through it and to move on to the next book in the series. Cause I love it. It's one of my favorites. What about you? Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed this. I loved finding all those Easter eggs. Um, yeah. That was exciting for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> strange as that may sound. And yeah, all the tension kept and everything. I forgot how, or I didn't realize how much I forgot about this. Like I didn't even remember Roland. I was oh, really yeah. just like, Oh, what? Oh. And I would just like to add that every time I read, so he's from Maya, right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I read it in my head as meh, meh. <laughs> so because that's how we feel about him, <laughs> meh, meh. Um, but just like you, super ready to move on to the next book. I've already started it. I'm, <laughs> I'm there. You better create the Google Doc then. Okay. Thoughts to add. 
All right, I will. All right, so that wraps up Crown of Midnight. Join us next week. We will be discussing the third book in the Throne of Glass series by Sarah J. Mass, Air of Fire. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Literary Quest. We hope you enjoyed our episode. If you'd like to follow us on social media, we can be found at Literary Quest Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. You're also welcome to share your thoughts and ideas with us via email at literaryquestpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again.